Welcome to Lawyers Who Care, the video show podcast that highlights attorneys who go above and beyond for their clients. And on each episode, we will meet a new lawyer and they will share stories of when they went above and beyond legal counsel for the benefit of their client. My name is Andrew Samelin, principal of Samelin Wealth, nationally recognized wealth management firm for lawyers, law firms, and their clients. And let's applaud lawyers who care and learn from them. Today, my guest is Michael Stutman. He specializes in matrimonial law at Stutman and Lichtenstein in New York City. Welcome, Michael. It's Lichtenstein. Lichtenstein, I did it again. But that's okay. Thank Thank you. you. Nice to be here. Thank you for asking me on. Great. So tell us about your uh, law firm. Um, We're in Manhattan. We're nine lawyers. Um, We practice primarily in New York City. We're about to open an office in East Hampton. we are uh i'm the only male member of the firm and um that's just kind of the way that that worked out and we've been around for in in this uh iteration for five six years now got it and how did you come to your profession or more particularly your specialty um kind of fell into it kind of the way i've done almost everything it seems um i didn't want to go to law school at first um the fellow who told me that I should go to law school at the end of my uh, four years of college uh, said, well, go to law school. You don't have to be a lawyer. You can be anything you want. I said, okay. So I went to law school and I decided I was going to be a criminal prosecutor. And then I took a class in criminal law and procedure and I said, no, I don't want to do that. And so I just kind of made my way through law school. I interned with a lawyer in, uh, in Tulsa and, uh, he did matrimonial work, and I just developed a proclivity for it. Um, was there for seven years, moved back to New York in 1985, um, did some construction litigation, and but I kept falling back and back and back into family law and matrimonial law. I wrote a book. What's your favorite part about it? Uh, the people. You know, the, the, the people, you get to meet different people. And one of the wonderful things about family law is that it's really fact-specific. Um, one of the terrifying things about family law is that it's really fact specific. Um, you no two cases are the same, really, uh, unless you get very cynical about what's going on. But everyone's different. The issues are different. The people are different. Um, a lot of variety. You're you're a human being and, um, you're, you're going to tell us about, you know, your story in a second, but you, you talked about keeping from becoming, uh, cynical. How do you do that professionally, given the tenure uh, that you've been practicing as a human um, being? Well, your practice grows with you. So if I was still doing the same types of cases that I did 40 years ago when I first started, um, maybe I'd get cynical. But as as I get older and as the practice becomes more mature and uh, we become a little more prominent and a little more known for different types of things, um, and as you get more stable, you can take more risks with cases and, um, and and get rewarded that way by maintaining variety in the case. And you have a great story uh, that you'd like to share with us. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a great story. I, I like the story. You know, anyone who's been doing this as long as, as I have and, and we have, you know, we've all got the story of, of like our greatest hits. We got... Uh, custody of four children for our Wall Street law firm male partner. 
um, or we chased some guy down for $2,500 and got a court-awarded attorney fee of $80,000 for it or something like that. Um, so those stories are frankly, while they may be interesting, they're sort of a dime a dozen. Um, where I find myself particularly drawn uh, in, in interest um, are people who are sort of oppressed by leaders of religious enterprises. Um, and the one story uh, or case that I am particularly fond of is that we were uh, engaged by a, a woman who was essentially being held prisoner by her husband, uh, along with their two small children in a, in a little apartment and, but with the blessing of the religious community of which they were a part. Um, and, uh, no matter how she tried to get out, her attempt to exit the community was viewed as a threat by the community. Um, and because they're one of those groups where they get their cohesion by keeping other people out, you know, so this is not like the Quakers who get cohesion by bringing people in. This is an exclusive kind of a thing. And, um, I thought they were, and she came to us. I don't remember exactly how she found us. I think, uh, a, a, a religious figure in the community came to us and, um, we had to marshal um, resources against a very powerful um, and adept bunch of, uh, of people who are in control or, or who vote in a block. And so they are powerful with elected officials and things like that. And what the husband was doing in particular to keep the woman down was he was refusing to give her a religious divorce. Um, and in that community, it's called a get. And without a get, that woman would never be able to, even if she got a civil divorce, she would never be able to remarry in her faith. Her children would never be recognized as members of that faith. And notwithstanding the fact that she felt the faith was being used to oppress her, um, she wanted to keep her connection to it. So we took the case on. Um, she, of course, had no funds to carry this kind of litigation on. But notwithstanding that, we took the case to trial, and I just remember, I, I didn't know what I was going to say to open the case. Um, we were the plaintiff. Um, the, uh, the judge was a female um, who I think had her own travails in this community before. And uh, when she said, do you have an opening statement? And I said, yes. And, and I stood up and I said, Your Honor, the use of religious doctrine for the oppression of women is a tale that is as old as time. And I saw the judge just kind of lean forward in her chair. And I kind of knew I had the case like right then it took three, four days to try the case. We got the religious divorce, not because the judge had the power to force the guy to give the religious divorce, but she basically told him, if you don't give her a religious divorce, this is what's going to happen to you. Mm. So take your pick. Mm. And he did. Um, there was a movie that, uh, about that, if I recall correctly. There was a not, little. Not about your client, but something similar. Well, it, there, there's a lot of media about that particular type of problem for mm. women. But it's not just women. We are also representing right now, we're representing two men who want to remove themselves from that particular community 
and take their children with them and put them in a real school instead of what the religious group, I think, laughingly calls schools. Uh, these are schools that end formal education at 12 years old, but because of their, um, their political authority, they're able to hold the Department of Education at bay, and they're allowed to continue to do this and basically produce a herd of illiterate, um, non-English speaking kids with high schools that don't even give a diploma. Um, I think it's outrageous. And it's that kind of outrage and it's being able to um, to do something about that outrage. Um, that's what makes us feel pretty good about what we do. Um, I can enlist all of my associates in these cases. They love it. Um, they love the people. They love being involved in it. Um, and I guess it gives you a slight feeling of being sort of Robin Hood um, in that, you know, we represent our share of investment bankers and religious and, and hedge fund people, and real estate developers and stuff. And, and we make a good dollar doing that. Um, and it's fun to give back. So um, for people that want to reach out to you, just so, just so we know, everyone, this is uh, Michael Stutman. He specializes in matrimonial law at Stutman, Stutman and Lichtenstein in New York City. Uh, how do people get in touch with you? Um, well, you know, there's always the telephone because um, we, we are open. We have our office going and our, our main line is 212-226-6644. Um, One more I, time. Stumbled, I stumbled on it because I don't give it out that often. It's 212-226-6644. Um, my email is probably the best. And it is my name, Michael dot Stutman and uh, at S S L L L P dot com. Two S's, three L's and a P. Got it. So, uh, Michael, thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, this has been the Lawyers Who Care podcast, uh, which highlights attorneys who go above and beyond uh, for their clients. And Michael just gave a, a, a an extraordinary example of what he and his uh, firm do. Of course, if. You, uh, if anyone out there uh, has an attorney that they'd like to highlight, they can reach out to us at info at samuelandwealth.com. Again, that's info at samuelandwealth.com. Uh, Michael, thank you again for joining us. And everyone, thanks for joining us today. This has been the Lawyers Who Care video podcast. Thank you, Andy. My pleasure.